Latinos Out Loud podcast. Time here on the Latinos Out Loud podcast, time of the show where we interview someone amazing. Amazing. And I'm so happy to have a fellow podcaster. She's also a reporter and producer. Please welcome Alana Casanova Burgess to the show. Woo! Thank you for having me. Hi. Hi. Alana. Welcome. I love your fuzzy mic. That is the sign of a pro. A nice fuzzy mic at home. Thank you very it's much. Good, it's good to have you. Congratulations on the La Brega podcast produced right. by, by WNYC Studios, our friends. We have a connection with WNYC over there. As our listeners know, uh, the Green Space hosted our 100th episode where we had Lin-Manuel yeah. uh, Lin and his dad as guests. Ooh. And I actually, we'll talk about this at some point, but I was also part of the um, Open Ears project with WNYC, with their classical music station. You'd never think that I'd be involved in anything classical music, but I was, you guys, I'm smart. <laughs> like I used to play a woodwind. Alana, um, <laughs> welcome. I, I play the clarinet. Um, I hope this <laughs> first question is not about classical music. <laughs> It's it's not. Uh, we'll save the Beethoven stuff for later. But I Do really. Do you think Mozart was underrated or like? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Regularly rated. Like ten out of ten. <laughs> Let's save the Mozart drama because this is an impactful and amazing story that's available for your ears. So please share with us about uh, what is La Brega all about. The podcast series or the or the the na the word the po oh the podcast series the word the everything um, the the special right so yeah. um, so la brega is a word in Spanish that a lot of Spanish speakers use, but nobody uses it as much as Puerto Ricans use it. We use it all the time. Estamos en la brega. Que tú haces? Estoy bregando. Yo no puedo bregar con eso. Like we just no, use, we pepper it into our speech all the time, and it all what it means is like to hustle, to struggle, to be like you know trying to um, negotiate around a problem that you really can't solve. So in that sense, um, you know, there's a lot of hustle to it, really. Uh, you know, I think you could you could say that that's a synonym. But hustle kind of has this, um, I don't know. It has this sort of old school connotation to it, right? Like if you're hustling, almost like a criminal connotation. La Brega does not have yes, that. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. So, um, so this is a seven-part series, um, which is um, it's in English and in Spanish, and which was very important to us because, you know, a lot of Puerto Ricans in the States might not speak Spanish, and so we wanted to make it accessible to everybody. It's an anthology series, so actually every episode is about a different thing, but they're all about una brega. Um, uh, sometimes an individual brega, right? So, like, someone is struggling with something, and then also a collective brega. Um, so that is La Brega as a podcast and as a concept. And they're all stories about the Puerto Rican experience in one way or another. It's a lot about history. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, listeners have been saying that they like cry in every episode, but they cry in a different way. Sometimes they cry with like happiness and other times they cry like 
with different kinds of pain or sorrow. But we, tr you know, we tried to also work some laughter in there as well. We have some original music, which is great by Puerto Rican bands like Ife and Balloon. And so we also, you know, it's a pretty creative project. We also have original art from different Puerto Rican illustrators. So yeah. Eso es la brega. So how do you how do you research on like what what you focus on in 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 the show? Because I know it's it's an anthology, so every episode has to have um, a specific topic. Do you guys kind of get in a room and kind of throw ideas around? Well, we invited pitches from some people for the for the series, so we wanted it to be by Puerto Ricans, like for Puerto Ricans. But we you know we let other people listen too. Um, and uh, we we invited Puerto Rican reporters and producers to send us ideas for things. So, you know, um, it, it was really like what what could tell more of a complete story about where the Puerto Rican struggle is right now, like where the Puerto Rican hustle is. So, for example, I'm really proud of an episode that the reporter Cristina del Marquiles did about um, the lack of a hospital on the island of Vieques. And, um, you know, that story is about FEMA reconstruction after Maria. It's been like over three years now and still no hospital in Vieques. And last January, a young girl, um, Jaidelis, she was 13, she died after going into respiratory failure. Sorry, I know this is a comedy podcast, and here I am talking about a respiratory failure. Oh no! Oh, Alana, you know, look, we're we're comedians, <laughs> but we are Latinos, and we talk about the things that matter to our people here, and we'll pepper in the comedy; it comes naturally. But this is the forum to talk about the things that move our people forward. So, please don't feel you know constrained by the the comedy crux mm -hmm. here. We we everything. We sazon. Okay, we got a, a little <laughs> bit of this, a little bit of that. Dale, okay. So, um, <laughs> so you know, this this can, you know, I'm, I'm in San Juan right now. I'm speaking to you from San Juan. And, you know, part of the problem with, part of the problem with, uh, you know, with Vieques and Culebra, these two Puerto Rican islands, part of the archipelago, is that there's no, like, consistent, reliable ferry service to the island of Puerto Rico. And... You know, and there's also no hospital in Vieques still three years after Maria. It has not been repaired. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a good situation. And there are a lot of protests now and there's a movement to really secure, you know, transporte digno, you know, dignified transportation for people who need access to work, school, public health services. You know, the, the like least that the government could provide is uh, is transportation for for these two islands. So, you know, we have that kind of episode um, telling the story about what happened to Jaidelis and, and also the bigger story, right? So that's like una brega, but, um, but the bigger problem there is the reconstruction, like the funds have been so slow to arrive from Washington for a number of reasons and, and folks can listen to the podcast to hear more about that mm. um because you know sometimes one of the other things we wanted to do with this series or that we ended up doing i can't say that that was necessarily our intention when we uh set out on this project is to really question the word brega right like we're all, like puerto ricans are always celebrating like ah como tu esta bueno el brego bien ella brego bien like we're always like celebrating that we're so good at struggling and sometimes you can't struggle like you can't struggle your way out of a situation that doesn't where you don't have a public hospital like that's not something that you can like cobble together some kind of solution you know um 
So sometimes we pat ourselves on the back too much for like hustling when really we shouldn't be hustling so hard. There, mic drop. Yeah. Mm. I like yes, yes. bottle drop. Actually, don't drop the bottle. No, that's no, no, no. This, this, no. You have to sweep that up later. Um, this isn't my apartment. So. Alana, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm I'm Puerto Rican on one side, and I, you know I'm one of these Americanized Puerto Ricans where it's like I don't always know what's going on in Puerto Rico news or you know things like that. Is this uh, is your podcast? Have you gotten uh, feedback from your um, from your podcast from Puerto Ricans who are like, I didn't know a lot of what was going on over there until I heard this story or, or heard this episode. Yeah, I mean, that is true of the Vieques episode in particular. And even I've seen people on Twitter like share it with the governor here as like, uh, hey, if you're like confused about the situation, maybe you should listen to this episode. So that feels really good. But also in a larger sense, you know, I am... Um, I, I was born in New York, and my mom, um, my mom is from Seattle, from from Puerto Rico. But and, and growing up, you know, my mom is very proud of being Puerto Rican. But I've heard from a lot of other New Ricans and a lot of other people from the diaspora who say, you know, growing up, especially from a certain generation, there was such a almost like a. Um, like a shame associated with being Puerto Rican because there was all this, there were all these stereotypes and everything. Now everybody wants to be Bad Bunny, right? And like, who can blame them? But there, <laughs> but um, wait, have you looked? Have you have you looked at my Instagram? Just, I just took a couple of Bad Bunny, you know, vanity shots dressed as him. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, this is a podcast. Nobody can see me, but I'm wearing like like a neon yellow tank top right now. So like, that's where I'm coming from. Um, but, <laughs> um, but you know, p- the people have been reaching out saying like, it's so nice to hear Puerto Rican stories and Puerto Rican history because it allows me, you know, me, the listener to access this heritage in a way that makes me feel really proud. And I can, and, you know, people are now getting over that shame and those stereotypes of being Puerto Rican and feeling like they want their kids to be learning Spanish. They want to be accessing this whole other side of themselves. So that's been really gratifying, you know, like that, that the podcast is reaching people in that way. Alana, being that you were born in the United States and but being Puerto Rican, how did you, uh, I hate to say for lack of a better word, how'd you go back and start wanting to learn about your, your history and, your, and being Puerto Rican and so on and so forth? Well, my mom is a professor of uh, Latin American history, and she specializes in, uh, in Puerto Rican literature in particular. So I can't say that, like, I wasn't, you know, I was, like, allowed to. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that was just, that was also, like, part of the conversation at home growing up. But also, you know, on a very, like, personal level, sorry, this is going to be a little bit of a windy answer, but I feel like you guys are here for that. Um, of course. So, you know, after Maria, a lot of families got really close because you know, trauma and, and disaster yes. does that for a lot of people. In my case, it actually, it happened before Maria, maybe like six years ago, there was a, a big illness in my family. And so, um, you know, un- unfortunately my, my cousin passed away, but it, that also like that mm. absolutely. Sorry to hear that. Thank you. Thanks. Um, but that also, you know, that trauma and, and that sense of like disaster and heartbreak also brought us closer together. And, um, and also, 
you know, when you when you visit your family, you're always like, estás pendiente. Like you're always like, oh wait, like this thing like changed since the last time I was here, and like oh this business closed, and like what's going on, and the conversation around the austerity crisis is so intense. So I really got keyed into what was happening here around the bankruptcy and around the austerity crisis in Puerto Rico, mm. and. And I started, you know, as a journalist, being really interested in what the effect was on the psychology here, on what the opportunities are. You know, you can't help but when you talk to your cousins and, like, they can't find work and, you know, that sort of suffuses your your sense of understanding of a place. Um, I have a very close relative who has cancer and she, you know, I've, I've she's she's older in my family and I've helped her look through her medical documents. She doesn't speak English very well, but all her documents from the hospital are in English. And wow. so you get a sense of the colonialism that exists just in your own family, right? Like how, how that comes up um, in a very visceral way. Like literally, how are you supposed to manage your health care? Um, you know, <laughs> when, when you can't, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> and did I answer it? <laughs> you you did. I, I, what I find interesting, and I've seen this with a lot of my Puerto Rican friends online, that after Maria, they got more involved in in the political climate of what was going on in Puerto Rico. You know what I mean? And I'm seeing that across the board. Is that a, was that like a, a springboard, like Maria thing for a lot of people in Puerto Rico? Yeah, I've heard anecdotally from other people that that is absolutely like what happened. And... And, you know, I was I was already, as I mentioned, like quite close with my with my family. And I spent the whole like for some re for some reason, I don't know how it's sort of a, a miracle. So I was like Milagro. I've been thinking in Spanish a lot. Um, uh, I could text with my cousin during the hurricane and I couldn't call her or anything. Um, but we were texting the whole time. And, you know, then, then there was like the aftermath, right? Like, where's the rest of our family? And I know that for a lot of people, it's sort of like when you, um, you know, when they sort of realized what was going on, then they wanted to help, right? Like so many people were sending packages, were like trying to come here with medical supplies, were raising money. And so like it really brought the diaspora closer in terms of just like you know trying to provide basic services that the government wasn't providing yeah um if wow. we can actually just go back to uh the podcast first i i want to congratulate you for being the first dual language podcast out of wnyc studios right because wow. that's in and of that's itself dope. huge and going to service so many underrepresented out there in podcast land. So here you are giving the appetizer and the entree to everybody. And I want to just delve into that a little bit. Like, can you talk to us about the production of that? You know, how it even works? Could you just tell us soup to nuts how, how that was from your POV? Sure. Well, we, we started out with... Um, we were only going to do a couple episodes in, in in Spanish. We were thinking, you know, because both of our parent companies, um, the dominant language is English, and, you know, we didn't have, um, like, a huge amount of resources. And then as soon as we got started even, like, thinking of ideas, I talked about, for example, the Vieques episode. It just seemed like, how are we going to talk to only, like, part of ourselves, um, 
that just seems like we're like that's just not the point of this project yes and yes. the one of our editors um who who also works with Radio Ambulante or used to work with Radio Ambulante he was he was really pushing for us to do bilingual and we really didn't put up much of a fight it was like dale like let's just do it um so we started production on a few episodes in English and then a, a few episodes in Spanish so it was really about thinking through like what the dominant language was for the reporters working on it and also when we were booking interviews like what's the dominant um what's the what's the dominant language of the people that we're talking to you know like you don't want someone telling an emotional story in the language that doesn't come easily to them when they're thinking <laughs> um right. yeah but we did end up doing a number of interviews twice um you know especially like expert interviews and stuff like that we would get what we wanted and then once we assembled the script um so i should i should back up a little bit like we would you know we would do all the interviews we would do all the reporting we would come up with the script um we would finish the episode completely in like the first language that we were doing it in and all the this all the time we were reporting we would be thinking like oh well we talked to this person this person also speaks english so i know that you know in a month i'm going to be contacting that person to do some of these questions again in another language so they really are we've uh, the the word that i've been using is bespoke um episodes like it's not just that we change the narration and you hear the same tape over again like they are actually different because when people answer questions in a different language they actually do it differently <laughs> you know <laughs> like whoa wild right like the, like crazy concepts um and so you know one a really good example of that is um i mean there are so many good examples but like I did an episode about a suburb here called Lev Levittown, which is um, Levittown in the United States, right? There are a number of... Levittown, yeah, yes. In Long Island and, and New Jersey. And in the in the Spanish version, so in the English version, I'm kind of like, oh, if you, you know, if you've never been there, you like take the 165 and whatever. I don't know if you've ever gotten directions from a Boricua, but <laughs> like don't you know because <laughs> like it goes on yep. forever <laughs> like i have i have a rule where i'm like oh yeah yeah no i always know where i'm going because i don't want to ask anybody any directions because by the time i'm done getting the directions i was supposed to be at the place <laughs> so so in the spanish version you know we were sort of we, we we like uh you had three brilliant producers who were working with us mark pagan who lives in brooklyn ezequiel rodriguez andino who lives here in san juan um and victor ramos who also lives in san juan and when when i went through the exercise of like translating the piece ezequiel and victor who live here they were like you have to play around with the like I, the idea of how you get to levitown right so in the spanish version it's like you you go down this highway you're going to pass the bacardi which is the you know the rum factory but that's not where it is because here people are always giving you directions based on a place that you're not even going to they're like <laughs> it's like so you're going to see the gas station then you're like oh gas station let me remember that so that when i'm actually going there i like take that left <laughs> but then they give you directions it's like you're not even supposed to go to the gas station they're just telling you like the gas station is going to be there and like okay cool like which gas station Like, keep going. You're going to go over the bridge to Palo Seco. Like, okay, but, and then what? And then there's just like, there's so many details. So in the Spanish version, we really played with that. It's like, it's like, and after like several minutes, you're going to actually get there. Um, 
<laughs> but people would tell us stuff differently in, in, you know, the language that they were telling us their answers and their stories in as well. Um, sometimes that wasn't possible. So, for example, um, the, the young girl who died from respiratory failure in Vieques, her family who spoke to our producer and, and the reporter for that story, you know, they, they don't speak English well. So they were just going to go ahead and tell us their story in Spanish, and that's totally fine. I, uh, um, I also saw that you are closely connected to CUNY, which, sorry, guys, I got to shout out my fellow CUNY sisters. Oh, here we go. And here brothers. Go. I just, and you also said your mom is an educator. Could you just tell us more about that? She also teaches at CUNY, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to know everything. So where does she teach? Where does she teach? And, and what CUNY school are you repping? So I, um, well, my mom teaches at Baruch Ooh. and has for... Uh, a number of years that she probably won't permit me to say. Um, I got my master's from the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism, <laughs> and uh, and I also teach there. Um, I teach an audio reporting class, and I'm a big fan of their program. Um, so yeah, that's the CUNY Connect. Nice. Yeah. Love it. I rep uh, CUNY nice. Brooklyn College. I'm a CUNY, graduate CUNY and uh, also involved heavily on campus alumni association. And I taught multicultural marketing for five years at the school. So I still rep hard. I, You know what it is when you're just appreciative of a good education. You know what I'm saying? I'm appreciative of a good education that I got from a school that originally I did not want to go to. I was co I was coerced by my pa my parents mm. were like we'll give you the car if coerced. you stay home. We we just don't want you to end up like your sister, you know? <laughs> we sent her away to college and then the demons came back with her. <laughs> so anyway, and I'm so appreciative that I didn't go away to Stony Brook where I was going to go. I was considering Binghamton, but everything happens for a reason. Um, I went to Binghamton. You went to Binghamton, girl. You went to Bingo. Binghamton. Yo, that's my spot, man. Yeah. I used to yeah, hit up Frank, that spot. But, no but not for education purposes, yeah. Frank. That's yeah, you just... Never went to you're right, school. you're right. You're right, you're right, Rachel. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I was the, uh, you know the school paper there, Pipe Dream? I was the editor-in-chief. Wow. Yes, yes, get it. So you've been at this for a minute, which actually leads me, uh, leads me to my last question here. Um, we love to educate, enlighten, inspire. I realize those three words did not all start with E, but phonetically they sounded correct in my brain. Um, and I just want to know if you can offer some words of wisdom or maybe talk a little bit about your path to where you've uh, landed today. For those that are maybe on a similar path or maybe haven't found their path in journalism yet. Oof. Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard because... Oof, that's a oof. That's deep. Yeah. That's deep. In two sentences. In, in, right, right, in right. In two sentences. Um, <laughs> Deputito, what, like, what, 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 are your, what, what are your keys to success? I mean, one thing is, so I've been at WNYC for like 11 years, which I know I have a very wow. young face, but wow. that is because, wow. um, you know, Puerto Rican women never age. But... <laughs> One of the one of the things that I always remember is I actually like I, I applied for an internship at WNYC and I was not like the first choice or even the second choice or even like the third choice for that internship um, 
meaning that they like I know that they offered it to other people before me and I took it anyway because like I wanted to be in the building and I tried not to let it get me down and um and now like I hosted my own podcast so you know it doesn't you know it's okay to be like nice. rejected sometimes <laughs> it's okay like people get rejected <laughs> and that it just happens and it's fine um and the other thing is to you know to try to make yourself useful um in like in every situation i think people can sometimes um you know there there's i'm sure nobody on this podcast has this problem but like you know hosts or people who get who like are a, a long ways in their career can sometimes think that some work is like beneath them or something like that and it's also it's okay to do work it's okay to do all kinds of work like don't feel you know i guess if you're starting out in your career this is not a huge deal to you but it's okay to like do different kinds of work it's fine you're gonna be fine <laughs> chill the fuck out chill the fuck out yeah words to live by. You're right. You're going to get rejected and it's going to be fine and chill the fuck out. <laughs> Alana, um, the beauty of podcasts is that you, you know, it doesn't matter how niche a subject is, right? Like you, you can get an audience um, very quickly on a podcast because it's going to hit a lot of people that, that really like, oh, you know, this topic is, is, is what I've been looking for. I don't see it enough on TV, but do you see um, maybe, um, maybe this podcast one day becoming uh, an anthology series on TV. I mean, I, the, um, the, the Puerto Rican basketball team episode, I could totally see as like, you know, one of those ESPN, uh, you know, uh, documentaries and like fully just being enthralled with it. Um, but do you see, do you have aspirations Maybe for like some sort of, t even if it's not a, a, an exact TV version of the podcast, but something, mm. um, you know, you me, keep me, keep me humble, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, because I see it, you know, and I, I think it's, it's, it's like how niche does TV want to get? Because podcasts, you, you know, you I mean, but they're like, they're like 9 million Puerto Ricans. How niche are we? Come on. Like with the, like the, you know, I mentioned Bad Bunny earlier, like. We're not that niche. No, we're, we're not that niche. Cool as to fuck. us, we're not that niche. But Johnny Network guy might might see like, all right, or are you just gonna get a Puerto Rican audience from this? You know. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the podcast has gotten more than a Puerto Rican audience. Like people from all over the place are. To answer your question, would I love to see La Vega on right, TV? Yes. yes, absolutely. Like you're not gonna hear me say no. Um, <laughs> but. Um, but also, you know, I think that one of the reasons why people have really keyed into this is because, you know, I mentioned earlier, like, why do we have to be struggling all the time? You know, that idea. I think that people have really um, become attached to not attached. What's the word I want? They, 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 they see themselves in this question of like, why does life have to be so hard? Why is the minimum wage so low? Why do people need to cobble together so many jobs? Why in this pandemic have one sector of the population been bearing the brunt of the pain and the grief? Like, why Why are we bregando all the time? Like, I think that that's a question, you know, I would love to loan that word to other people, to like, not Puerto Ricans. And they're gonna have to give it back eventually. But like, for right now, let's like, you can use la brega, like, why are we bregando todo el tiempo? Y por qué hay que bregar? Like, you don't, like, 
life doesn't have to be this hard. And I think, you know, in there, there's a critique of our society that, um, that, that, you know, people are always saying like, oh, I've been working so hard. I can, I can barely sleep. It's like, what, like, why are we celebrating this existence of hardship? Yo, I, I just, La Brega, and then like to Dominicans, I don't know if y'all could feel me on this, but I feel like I hear my mother's voice answering that phone when Tia Cookie or Tia Clara will call, Mija, ¿qué tú haces aquí en la lucha? Always in la lucha. Always in the mal in the maldita lucha. Why are we in the lucha? <laughs> Every day? Every day we're in the lucha. Every day? It's true, Dominicans say la lucha. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I am tired of being in the in the lucha. Like it could know, not be we, me. We were it born could not be me. Let us not. La Brega. How do we get no. the fuck out? Let's get out. It's time, right? You guys, Alana, this was so wonderful. Congrats on all your success. Be safe out there in Puerto Rico. Please tell everybody how they can follow you and find you. You can find the podcast at labregapodcast.org. Um, and also anywhere you get your pod, wherever you're listening to this podcast, go look for the other podcast. When you're done listening to this, go look for La Brega. That's L-A space B-R-E-J, sorry, G-A. What is my podcast called? Um, I am Alana Yama on Twitter. Um, that's A-L-A-N-A-L-L-A-M-A. And uh, yeah, you could, I mean, people are finding me on Instagram too. It's not like the most thrilling content there. But uh, but yeah, labregapodcast.org. Awesome. Please, one time for Peabody Award-winning journalist Alana Casanova Burgess. 